great deal. With 3,650 days of sobriety and 10 years, let's welcome Alan. My name is Alan, and I am an alcoholic, and I am a member of the world-famous Mamaronek group, and I have a sponsor, and that's really all you need to know about me. I just want everyone to feel as I do, deeply inside. You know, when I did my fifth step, they told me that I was His Majesty the baby who sat in his crib and threw his toys out and demanded that the rest of the world pick them up. Well, I want to show you some progress. I've learned nursery rhymes, and I've got one for you tonight. <laughs> It wasn't easy to learn this, you know. Some recover more slowly than others. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the fine women and all the good men in AA put Humpty together again. Thank you. Happy anniversary again. How are you? And in the rehabilitation center, I didn't have any choice about recovery. And I had a very limited experience of what recovery was all about. They didn't tell me to talk about my feelings or anything else. I wasn't getting in touch with all kinds of mystical things. I was there to recover from the disease of alcoholism. And when I walked in, they assigned a man to me who was my counselor and sponsor. And he told me what to do. And I had to do what I was told or I would have been kicked out. So you can see the willingness came very strongly. It was in the winter and I had no money no place to go, so I stayed in the rehabilitation center. I didn't know I was powerless over alcohol until there wasn't any booze around. And when there wasn't any booze around, all I wanted to do was talk about drinking. And I was glad to be in a rehabilitation center because that's all anybody else wanted to talk about was drinking. And after a short period of time, I really understood that I was powerless over alcohol and my life was unmanageable and that those two items were interchanged. So therefore, I was powerless. After another period of time that I looked back on, and after I was told I had finished with the second step, I realized I had. I'd come to believe in something. I'd come to believe that there was a power in alcohol that's anonymous that could restore me to sanity. And I then made a decision. I made a decision to run with that power. As you can see, there was nothing complex about any of this. There was no time for theory, because it was 30 degrees below zero. And if you wanted to make theories, you could get a cold ass. So my willingness to stay there was simply predicated upon the fact that I made the decision and I wrote the fourth step. I did it in an autobiography because that's what I was told to do. And while I was doing it, I was deprived of dessert. I was deprived of dessert until I finished X number of pages each day. I wrote my ass off. I wrote 108 pages because I'd become addicted to chocolate cake. I wanted sweets. At least that was something to put inside myself that made me feel good. I wasn't believing in any real great mystical power or anything. I knew something was happening in Alcoholics Anonymous because I went to a meeting every day up in the woods. 
And I met all of those wonderful people in the North Country who weighed their words very carefully and say almost nothing. They were good for a long-winded bastard like me, but they didn't understand what I was talking about, and they told me very promptly. I needed that kind of deflation. I did my fourth step. I wrote my autobiography. I found out lots of things, and I got good instructions on how to do it. I wrote down what I had done, not what anyone else had done to me. At the end of my fifth, I then took my fifth step with a man who was a location center who was a doctor. And I told him everything that was in the fourth step. I did not give it to him to read. I said it to him. And when I was finished, he told me, look, entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character, and I was. And I genuinely was, because the power that I'd come to believe in was working. And I liked what was happening to me. I was thinking about drinking less. That was an improvement. I was eating well and regularly. My stomach and my guts had recovered. My head started to recover very slowly. And I realized that I wasn't doing very much to get any of this stuff. But this was a kind of a gift that had been given to me. And it started to be explained to me that, yes, it was a gift. And you got it. And it's yours. Just make sure you keep it shining. And you keep it shining by not drinking and going to meetings. And it was a simple as that. And the power had come into my life, and I was entirely willing to have that power do with me whatever that power wanted to do, because I was still locked up. After I finished step six, I got into step seven. Step seven was very simple. I had to learn to pray. I resented this. I didn't know anything about the prayer. I had at one time in my life been a Christian, but I ended up as an atheistic existentialist and proud I spent years to find anyone who had the slightest smidgen of faith. I took pleasure in denuking them publicly, loudly and clearly with my intellectual paradox. I could outquote anyone because I had a mechanism that they didn't have. I had a very quick mind, and if I couldn't remember a quote, I made it up and assigned to it whatever author I could. <laughs> I tried to even invent an author and say, oh, you hadn't read that. And that was the greatest of that. I liked doing that kind of thing. I chose the kind of man I was, a really arrogant, egocentric man, the man I found in the fourth and the fifth step. And I knew all about my defective character by then. I was his majesty's slave who sat in the playpen and threw out the rackets and demanded that you retrieve them whenever I want. That's the way I live. That's the way I've been raised to live, for God's sake. I'm an American. I was raised on individualism and self-reliance. I wasn't to rely on anything else. I relied on myself. I had a great set of principles when I got here. Me, myself, and I all alone. And you better know it and conform to it or you were in trouble. And I was an excellent manipulator. I learned to manipulate at a very early age. It was part and parcel of my upbringing. And so I had to learn how to pray. And so I prayed. I didn't get on my knees because I thought that was a ridiculous kind of thing for a grown man to do. In fact, I realized that if I got on my knees, I would have to tell that in me that I wouldn't go around saying things like that. So I didn't get on my knees. But I was not going and I was going to meetings. But something had happened. The process had taken over, and that's the most important thing I have to say tonight. There is a process in the first seven steps which grabs a hold, which grabs a hold of me, and 
started to move me into areas and places I had never dreamed I would go. And it started to give me opportunities in my life that I had dreamed of when I was drunk, but never was capable of getting to. <coughs> that process was simple. It was these steps. And the more I got into the process that the steps described, the more sober I got. And I did my eighth step at that time. I simply made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And that is what I did. I made a list and I put alongside of it what I had done to them. And because I began to believe in the power that was in this program, in the efficaciousness, the effectiveness of the process, I was willing. I know a lot more about the HF now. I didn't know very much about it when I did. And that doesn't make any difference. I no longer believe that I had to understand anything that I did. All I had to do was do it. <coughs> Understanding came later. And I mean years later. I didn't understand what I had done in the third step until I was sober five years. I didn't understand the content of the whole thing that I had done. I did a process that I was told to do, and it worked. I got some insight into the eighth step by coming to the Larchmont Men's Meeting, by joining the World Famous, and also by getting involved in the Weaver Street. <coughs> and in this book, Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, my history with this book is unpleasant. I hated it. I thought it was a bundle of arrogant shit that had nothing to do with me. I liked the big book. I thought this was Bill Wilson gone wacky and would have nothing to do with it. And then I got into the Weaver Street outfit and I learned to change that. Because my attitudes about everything have changed since I got sober. And I now know what this eight step thing is all about and it's important that I finally learned it. It isn't that I did it wrong. I did the process. But I now understand a lot more about it that helps me today with my 10th step, because my 10th step is more important now, because I understand what the 12 and 12 says about it. And the 12 and 12 is very, very clear to me in this particular step as to what it talks about. It talks about my inability to have relationships with people, and that I know, and I know it well. It talks about more than anything else these defective relationships. It says. Since defective relationships with other human beings have nearly always been the immediate cause of our woes, including our alcoholism, no field of investigation could yield more satisfying and valuable rewards than this one. Well, this is the kind of thing that it would have been good back that I understood it, but I understand it now. Because on the list that I made, I put almost everybody who was in the fourth step, just as the book tells us. I had a resource to go from, and so I listed persons. I also listed <coughs> institutions, and I also listed the Internal Revenue Service because I had done some horrendous activities against them. But the more I stay sober, I know about defective relations. I didn't have any relations while I was drinking. I played roles. And I played roles such as husband, father, brother, and son. I defined those roles, and I told my parents how to behave to me. I told my brother what to do for me. 
I told my wife what to do for me. And I, my, my former wife is an interesting one. I knew I was gay when I was a teenager. But I knew damn well that you were never going to know it. And I knew damn well the whole world wasn't going to know it. And the best way to hide it was to get married. And those are the terms under which I got married. As a protective device to make sure the world would never get to know me. There's my alcoholism. There's my unwillingness to have anything like an effective relationship with another human being. I never gave another human being time or space unless I wanted to. So what kind of a life did I have? I had a life of total egocentric horror, total alienation, total isolation. And this step says it's the end of isolation. And I now know what that means. It doesn't mean I can come to meetings and say, oh yes, isolation is gone and it sounds good and everyone nods. It means that in my daily living, I give people the opportunity <coughs> to invite me into their lives or to kick me out of their lives. I invite people into my life or kick them out of my life. It's kind of a give and take. I never knew anything about give and take before. I knew puts and calls, but I never knew gives and takes. I always took, I took precisely what I wanted. If you didn't have it, I got rid of you and found somebody else. So this is the kind of thing that the 12 and 12 asks me to look at now on a daily basis in terms of having put the eight step into my life. It's the process of examining my relationships with other people. It's a way of finding out that I was an alcoholic long before I picked up my first drink. I didn't like that when I heard John O say that. I thought that was shit. I liked the idea that I was a rocker when John when the brothers Gallo were running me around. That's not so. I was an alcoholic when I was a four-year-old because I had all of the attitude. I was an egocentric kid. I was into myself. Totally. The world began and ended with me, and that's exactly the way <coughs> I wanted it. So I made the list, and I became willing. And the process of making the list produces the willingness. And I didn't really understand it, and I didn't have to. The most exciting thing about Alcoholics Anonymous is you don't have to be brave. It doesn't do you very much good if you are. All you have to do is follow the instructions, and they're damn simple. It's cats like me who complicate unnecessarily. I'm not going to talk about the extent. Can you stop me? I didn't fill up on that.